Welcome, everyone, to the season finale of season two of Here in Puckburg, your place for the daring do bad and good puck tales on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Kyle Sullivan, a.k.a. Shaggy Von Doom, with another episode of Puck Tales. Woo-woo. And the you-know-who at the other end of the woo-woo is none other than my good friend, Jay Forrester of Locked On Columbus Blue Jackets. How's it going, Jay? It is going pretty, pretty well. It's not too late here, which is good. Usually I end up recording these kind of things pretty late because uh, I don't know if your listeners can tell from my accent, I am in uh, England. Yeah, I was about to say that's a very thick Texas accent. <laughs> so everybody's going to have a hard time placing exactly we'll where in Texas subtitles. you're from. <laughs> we'll have a, subtitles and interpreter. But no, yeah, you are you are across the pond. And uh, you know what? Let's Let's actually start there. Are you born and raised across mm-hmm. the pond? So yep. tell me about that and how you fell in love with the game of hockey over there. And what's the state of hockey over there? Uh, the state of hockey over here is actually uh, pretty, pretty good. Um, I'll, uh, I'll get to that a bit. My, uh, my beginning with hockey is actually uh, kind of a, kind of a, I always say backwards one, which sounds really bad. I actually got into the game through the women's side. Um, mm. So I assume many of your listeners won't know. Uh, I am, transgender i fell in love with hockey when i was identifying as a woman uh, and i was watching the sochi olympics and i was watching the gold medal game usa canada still i think the best game of hockey i've ever ever watched bar none um and i remember watching that game and being like man it, it sounds like in hindsight it sounds really stupid but i was like man i didn't realize that women could play the game as well you know, so I'd be watching a lot of hockey. Um, I'd kind of been flirting with the idea of getting into the NHL. Uh, I had a friend who was a really big Blackhawks fan. Obviously, they just won the cup in 2013. So, you know, yep. Blackhawks fandom was at basically an all-time all-time <laughs> high. Uh, but it was the the women's game that kind of tipped me over the edge. I was like, this is, this is incredible. I love this sport. So you fell in love with the game of women's hockey. And, and as we mentioned, you're across the pond. And it's... It's not really known when you're talking about international hockey for like your hotbeds of um, hockey. Like you're you're expecting like your Canada's North America, and then like a sprinkling of influence in like Japan and like Russia, and like you're getting you're getting the interest from all these other countries. You never hear about the UK. What what's what's this? So you fell in love with the game there. Where was your first outlet? Where, where did you run first? Uh, so I I watched that, and then I was like, man, I wonder if there's anywhere I can learn to play over here. Because obviously it's not... If you know where to look, there is a lot of hockey in, mm. in the UK, in England. But for someone who's just kind of getting into it, it is very much kind of like, All right, I'm just going to Google ice hockey for beginners england and see <laughs> see what or like uh, google my my area um there's actually an ice rink like 15 minutes away from my wow. from where i live which is really great um and i just kind of googled you know hockey for beginners england i ended up finding uh this hockey camp uh clark and co hockey which is run by uh david clark who is uh maybe the most decorated uh english born trained player over here um, played for the Nottingham Panthers of the Elite League. Uh, I could do a rundown of of the Elite League in in a little bit if you want. Um, but he basically was like, he has he runs these camps and he does a bunch of like junior stuff for you know the the under 18s, the guy, the kids that you know are thinking about turning pro over here. Um, and he does a camp for adults that want to learn to play as well. And so I emailed him and I was like, listen, I don't have any experience. I don't have any skates. can i I come and play hockey for the weekend and he was like yeah yeah definitely come down come down so i learned to skate i put all the gear on for the first time and that was that was that and i remember talking to my mom about it and she was like listen if you go to this camp you're like you're gonna come out of it wanting to play and that feels 
risky. Like that feels uh, like she's, you know, it's a dangerous sport, whatever. Yeah. Um, and I was like, no, it's fine. It's fine. I just want to see what it's like. And then I came out of the camp and I was like, well, if I don't play this again, I will die. So, <laughs> it, uh, which I feel like is a really, a really familiar feeling to, to a lot of people. So that's kind yeah. of where, where I learned to play. I ended up reaching out to a local uh, beer league team over here, uh, the Flinch Phantoms, who uh, I have been playing with for the past eight eight years yeah um so uh made the transition to goaltending a couple of years in never look back um and so that's kind of that's kind of where i where i uh started started playing that's where i found my outlet Ooh, so okay goaltending i love when i have goalies on here i've had i've had a few you gotta describe um what's your goalie style <laughs> So my, I always say that my inspiration for, for goaltending is kind of, you can't all be Carey Price, you know, mm-hmm. some of you have to be Jonathan Quick. Mm-hmm. And I would say I definitely subscribe more to the kind of, I always call it cat with a laser pointer yeah. style. Um, I am not technically perfect, but what I am is reasonably flexible and reasonably athletic. And it uh, turns out, in beer league hockey, that can get you a, a pretty, that can get you far enough. Um, yeah. So, so that's kind of lots of lots of flailing, lots of falling over, uh, lots of um, saves that look really good, but are actually just a case of me having my hand in the right place at the right time. You know, <laughs> a little bit of luck and a little bit of skill. I like it. That's, I like it. that's it. And the other question I like to ask all of my goalie guests. There's there's two trains of thought when it comes to being a goalie. Do you want your defense making it difficult on the shooter and putting that pressure off, or do you want them out of the way where you can take that shot? Is it is like what is your preference between the pipes? Would you rather have that that clear idea, or do you want that defense in there making it dirty and then you're gonna have to like face that secondary shot or what comes out of the scrum? Yeah, I always and you know I've I've talked to I've talked to my defense a lot. I've talked to a bunch of different defensemen, uh, defense women, blue liners, I guess over over the years. Um, I will always take that first shot mm. if I can. I want them blocking the pass, you know. Um, and you know I know I've just talked about how technically not great, but pretty flexible, pretty good at moving side to side. My lateral movement's pretty good. But if I can make the first save, then I don't have to try and make the second save you know if i can shut that puck down like that's yeah that's that's the ideal i've I've always been curious because i've like growing up like watching like in the off season like goalies talk about their styles and stuff i'm always fascinated with what school of thought goalies like settle into and it's it's just your comfort level and that's if you start seeing the shots you want you start really settling in between the pipes and it makes the game a lot easier but if you're Especially like those games where you like come off the bench on a new team and you're still trying to establish yourself with that team and how everybody plays and who does what. And then also, hey, that's not how I like it back here. You're making it harder on me. Would you please just I I, I love that. I love that. And you see that a lot. And it's one of the things you take for granted when you're watching like the first couple games of a NHL season is like the goalie kind of setting everybody up like, yeah. This is how we're going to get through this game. You got to work with me here. I, I love it. I love it. I mean, I've I've been pretty lucky in that. Obviously, I've been with my current team for eight years, which is probably longer than most NHL goalies. Um, and so we get, you know, we have we've had new guys come in, but for the most part, the core has pretty much stayed mostly the same. So you know, I've been pretty lucky in the, you know a lot of my defensemen I've been playing with for almost a decade, and so there is that. You know, I know where they're going to be. I know they know what I like it's 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 a good it's a good place to be we got pretty good pretty good chemistry so well let's let's talk about before we get to where like your fandom continued I want to get an idea for okay let's say everything is going great in beer league or if you're a a young up-and-comer where do you get what's the pipeline through England to make it like where where do you go because I know you got the KHL, like you got, like, where do you go? What's the pinnacle for hockey over there? 
Yeah. I mean, the short answer for what's the pipeline like over here is not good. Um, but the so once you once you hit like the the semi pro to pro levels, um, there's really four tiers of of hockey over here. So you've got the EIHL, which is the elite league. That is the the pros. That is the guys. And we had a lot of American and Canadian guys that you know wanted to play abroad. Uh, maybe they played. Uh, we get a lot of ECHL guys, mm-hmm. handful of AHL guys. Uh, occasionally, we get guys like uh, Cam Jansen played here mm-hmm. a couple of years. Um, Brian McGratton played here yeah. for a season. Um, they had uh, Paul Bissonnette played during I've the heard. 2013 lockout. That was that was where he went. He went to the Cardiff yes. Devils and, and played there. And so you know. It's not like a nothing league, but it's not really, it's not on the same level as, you know, the KHL or the Liga or, you know, even like the Swiss League, things like that. It's not, it's not on that level. So you've got, you've got that league. uh, And then there isn't really like a, it's not like the NHL where there is the NHL and then there's the AHL, which is the development Mm -hmm. league. And then there's the ECHL and then the SPHL, et cetera, et cetera it's really kind of disconnected. So there's the elite league and then there's the, uh, the national league, which is kind of one step below. And that's semi-pro guys typically will do that and have another job at the same time. Um, and then there is the NIHL division one, uh, which is the league that the team I work for or volunteer for, I guess, uh, plays in. I'll, I'll get into, I'll get into that, that part of my <laughs> fandom in a minute. I have a lot of, a lot of different places for, for my hockey, hockey output. Um, and then there's the NIHL division two, and that is essentially just kind of a step up from beer league. It's guys mm. that feel like they want to be challenged a little bit more than, Hey, occasionally we play a game and occasionally we, you know, have a scrimmage with another team. So it's guys that want that kind of a little bit more competitiveness a little bit more um, seriousness than than beer league. Not that beer league can't be serious, but it's guys that feel like, okay, I want the chance to win a trophy at the end of the season. That's not a case of beer. Um, so, is and what's the path look like for say a blue liner? Or not a blue liner, a a beer leaguer. Is it to work their way up? Like how how elite is that? Is I think it was the E that you mentioned was the the elite. It's, it's a pretty significant step up from um, from beer league. So occasionally you will see guys that played in beer league go to the NAHL Division Two, which is like the fourth tier. Mm-hmm. Very occasionally you'll see them jump up to Division One. Um, almost never will you see them take that that next step to the National League. You know, um, and then you know the guys in the Elite League are um, so the Great Britain was in the top tier World Championships. Mm-hmm. For a few seasons, um, Team GB, and you know they did they did really well. I think they they had a pretty good showing considering who you know the teams they were playing against. The guys on that team will be guys that play in the elite league. Uh, there are a couple of guys on that team that play overseas, but that's kind of the the caliber of of players in the elite league. So it's not okay. it's not the NHL, but it's also not beer league. Um, I would probably liken it to kind of ECHL level. Okay, if I had to. Because being over on this side of the pond, one of those colonists, um, the uh, the the mindset and like the perception of uh, hockey over there is, it's those former ECHL AHL guys that kind of take that deal in the Swiss or in the K, and when that deal is up, they kind of go and play in that England kind of circuit just because they're in, they enjoy the international, but they don't want to come back home because they know. When they come back home, that's pretty much the end of the line. So they're doing like one or two more seasons where they can. But that's just, that's the perception I've always heard. So having you right there in the thick of things, I wanted to get an insider's perception and kind of what the state of the game actually is over there. Yeah, yeah. I guess you you get some guys like that. And, you know, like I mentioned, Brian McGratton, obviously he, I think he did literally one season here and then retired. Uh, I think Cam Jansen retired immediately after his Elite League uh, stint. And then you get some guys that like, um, guys that have just graduated 
college. Um, I believe the team nearest to me, the Manchester Storm, signed a player from who won the Frozen Four. So the University of Denver, well, I believe. Yeah, that's DU, Denver yeah, University. Denver University. So they, they signed a player that uh, he just graduated from there. You know, So it's really kind of a mixed bag of you get these young guys that are just starting out and maybe you know they're not going to make the NHL or even maybe the AHL, but they're good enough to continue playing professionally. So, you know, they, they're like, okay, I'll go to England and then maybe I'll, I'll try somewhere else. I'll go to France. I'll go to Germany, you know? Um, and then you get the guys that are kind of starting to wind down their careers, maybe want to keep playing, but don't really need to, um, you know, we got So it's a really kind of, there's either the really young guys or kind of the, I want to say the really old guys. They're not really old. They're like 34, yeah, you know? Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah. If you're if you're age if you're 34 where, like, and getting a paycheck playing hockey, like you know what you are. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, I, I'm getting to that age now where most of the players on the Blue Jackets are younger than me, and I don't know what to do. <laughs> I don't know what to do about that emotionally, but you know. Um, and so then, and obviously, you get occasionally the really, really good, the cream of the crop players that have come up through the English system. They've played the. Uh, under 18s leagues here they've played the under 20s leagues here um which is, i guess is kind of the equivalent of like the chl of like major junior um and then you know occasionally one of them will be good enough to make that step up immediately and i mean uh, liam kirk for example yeah. uh drafted in the seventh round by arizona i believe is the first british born british trained uh player to be drafted into the nhl first british born player to be drafted there since i believe tony hand in the 90s and he never played an nhl game i believe yeah. um but liam kirk uh, ended up he played in the elite league as a 16 year old here mm. you know and so that kind of gives you context of just how good he was a step ahead of everyone here you know he led the um world championships in scoring a couple of years ago you know, and so he he played a couple of years uh, in the OHL, uh, turned 20, immediately got to the AHL and got injured. Uh, but he's he's rehabbed. He's back. He's going to be starting his second uh, pro season uh, coming up in October. So that's super, super exciting as someone who really wants British hockey to succeed and wants, you know, to really be able to push off the back of these years that we had these you know three seasons that the team had in the top flight of the world championships you know i think it, i don't think we're done yet i think the t the country can get better and that's what i was just about to ask is this like in the grand scheme of things how long has really this focus on the game of hockey and the structured tier system how long has this been around in that english system has this been something new has it gone through a renaissance or has this been around as long as the game of hockey itself I mean, in, in some form or another, it's kind of been around for almost 100 years, but it changes a lot. It, there's always realignments. Teams will move up to the ECHL, the uh, EIHL, excuse me, or they'll move down to the National League. Uh, teams will fold. Uh, the Edinburgh Capitals, for example, yeah. uh, they folded a few years ago. They have just returned. Uh, they've got a new ice rink, so they're back in the Elite League. Um, you know, there are teams like... Milton Keynes, for example, who moved from the National League to the Elite League because they were just they were just murdering other teams. You know, they were just they were too yeah. good for the league they were in. They had too strong of a team, uh, and so they ended up moving up. They've moved back down since then. So there's a lot of there's a lot of movement, and so it's really difficult to kind of look at British hockey and say how long this system has existed because it's just, it's constantly changing. Like a lot of the teams have existed in some form or another for, for a long, long time. Um, but it's, it's so hard to be like, Oh, well this system has been in place since X, since 1990, whatever, because we just, it's so hard to pinpoint. It sounds like it mimics a lot of how football structured over there. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay. okay. That, that makes a hundred percent sense because when you see things stateside, like our leagues are structured very much in the same way, like our professional sports. It's it, it takes on that same identity. So I can I can see that like the football structure kind of bleeding over to the hockey. Like that that makes total sense. And when you think of it that way, it's it's very understandable. Like the relegation and it's very much like a Premier League, yeah, but mm -hmm. without the 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 youth development yeah. side of things. 
so which I could get into, but it's a very kind of long and complicated conversation about politics in the the behind <laughs> the scenes of of British hockey, you know. Well, what I do want to get into, you mentioned briefly about things you work with and your fandom affiliations. I mentioned at the top of the episode that you are the host of the Locked On Blue Jackets. Is that where your fandom started? How did you land like the jackets? <laughs> like, how did you land that oh. fandom? And how did how did we get from observing Olympic hockey and then getting on the Blackhawks bandwagon? to where we are now what about this in between time how did we get there yeah so i after sochi i ended up again like i said my friend was a blackhawks fan and so i was like okay cool i'll follow this team it seems like fun they're a good team uh there seems to be some really kind of there's a really uh, fun narrative there of you know this pseudo dynasty that they're building um at the time the kind of the Kane and taves narrative Mm -hmm. was really kind of picking up steam of you know the the house that Kane and Taves built in, in yeah. Chicago you know and so I kind of was this it was fun I was like this is how I got into hockey and you know I started learning the game itself instead of just enjoying watching it I started, was like I yeah. wanted to learn how it works and roster construction and salary cap and you know the the league itself and so I did that until um probably about 2014 is when I kind of started becoming aware of the Blue Jackets. I love an underdog. Mm. Um, the Blue Jackets made the playoffs in, in 2014. No one expected them to. Everyone assumed that Pittsburgh was going to stomp them immediately. Um, they didn't. And, you know, I think they won a couple of games. It was really fun. And I was like, hey, this this seems like a fun time. Uh, my friend ended up going to OSU mm. uh, for her final two years of college oh i think she went for her sophomore year and her senior year she was in osu um and so when i would visit her we would go to blue jackets games because tickets were super cheap and uh, yeah. we both we both like hockey you know so we would pay 25 bucks each and get a lower bowl ticket or whatever um because that's the fun of bad teams sometimes <laughs> um and then the summer of 2015 happened and the patrick kane allegations came out and i don't necessarily want to get into is he innocent? Is, you know, all of this. Um, my issue lies with how the team handled it, how the team responded yep. to it, and how they didn't really seem to find it um, meaningful or noteworthy to stand up and say, hey, we don't agree with sexual assault or sexual misconduct. It was all, we, he didn't do anything, we stand behind him, etc., etc." Um, So I was like, well, this sucks. I guess I need to find a new team now. Yeah hey, the Blue Jackets seem fun. And then they traded, They ended up trading for Brandon Saad, yeah. uh, who was a player that I loved on Chicago. And I was like, this feels this feels right. Yeah. And so I followed Brandon Saad to the Blue Jackets, I guess, and uh, never, never looked back. Just fell in love with my team of misfit toys. And, you know, <clears throat> Columbus, I've always enjoyed watching. Like I have. I'm a very good friend of mine who's a big Columbus Blue Jackets fan. And, like, I remember when the team launched. Uh, they launched right aside Minnesota. Yes, 2000. And I remember having a coloring book. <laughs> like, this dates me a little bit. But, like, I had a coloring book. And it had all the team jerseys that you can color. And all I had another one that had all the goalie masks. And because they were brand new teams, you had no idea what the jerseys looked like. It was just stock logo for the Blue Jackets. <laughs> and it was the same thing for the goalie mask. And like going through all of these incredible masks and jerseys, and then you get just like very b- basic vanilla jersey. I remember that standing out and I'm like, I wonder what this team's all about. And I've always kind of watched them. I enjoy their environment. Like, like honestly, because everybody knows like my... My other show with Locked On Avalanche, like the Avalanche and the Jackets are kind of the same when it comes to like that small, small market. Like you don't, they don't like everybody wants to say, well, that's Denver. They have this, 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 but don't sleep on Columbus. No, Columbus is a great city. It's it's a great city, great sports. Um, They just never get noticed. They get a lot of stick for being in Ohio, Mm -hmm. I think. Uh, which really isn't fair either to Ohio because, like, 
I, Cleveland is pretty great. Cincinnati is is pretty good. Like they're not they're not that bad, guys. It's no. fine. But I think Columbus, especially, and maybe I'm biased because that's where I spent the most time. Columbus is such a great city. The food yeah. is great. The people is people are great. Like Nationwide Arena is phenomenal. And like again, maybe I'm biased, but that's my favorite arena. Like I've been to a handful. I think I've been to about a third of the the current NHL arenas. Like Nationwide, best by far. So, you know, it's what, you know, come on, enjoy yeah. the blue jackets. We're not, we're not dislikable. We're not uh, good enough to hate. Like, it's just, it's, it's a fun team to follow unless you're a and Pittsburgh I, fan. But. And they could get over it. They need something to squabble about, but I've never had a problem with Columbus. I've, there's always, whenever you see them in the mix, you're like, oh, I wish this is the year they push through. You're always like, ah. Oh. That's the team I'd like to see something happen. Because, like, you can speak about the, the team we just mentioned in Minnesota. I don't have those same feelings. Like, that team, the fan base is completely different. Um, same kind of market, to be honest with you, in Minnesota. But, like, to come in saying, oh, we're the state of hockey, and they come in, like, ego first, and, like, we know hockey, we are hockey, look at our hockey history, like, respect us because we're – but Columbus, they do everything so right. And they're in arena environment. Everybody knows the cannon. They have a cool mascot. Like, they really haven't done anything wrong. Like, right. there's no reason not to like Columbus. So it's just one of the teams you kind of forget about. Yeah, it is, which I think can work in our favor because, like you said, there's nothing to really dislike about them. Um, you know, I mean, your opinion might might vary on that, but like they don't have the the Toronto of it all. Mm. You know, they don't have that kind of longevity of New York or Chicago or Boston. You know, they're making their own history yep. now. The team's only 22 years old, you know, like there's nothing. They're still building it like you can hate us in 20 years or whatever, but they haven't been good enough to be jealous of i don't think they've been bad enough to be a joke especially not in the last since since probably since the last lockout i think yeah. was really the the turning point and the hiring of yama kekalainen was really the turning point of of the columbus blue jackets um and they've been bad since then but not bad enough to be you know the arizona you know yeah. they're not the laughing stock of the nhl so and i was about to say like there have been teams that are like original six teams that literally everybody has a case to hate and then you have Vegas, who's pretty new, and everybody hates them. Right. Everybody. Like, Columbus is doing things the right way, and like that, now you have Johnny Hockey. Yes. God, it's going to be so much fun. So it's Johnny, now Johnny you... Gaudreau and Patrick Laine on the same yeah. line. Like, I'm just inject it straight into my veins. I'm so excited. This feels like, like you're finally on the map. Like, this is one of those, those moments in depending on if you're listening in Canada, your organization's history, or if you're listening in the States, your franchise's history. Like this is one of those moves that define the course of the rest of your history. Like if it, if it succeeds, if it fails, if it pushes you in the playoffs, if you upset somebody's campaign in the playoff, like this acquisition is, it's one of those moments. And I'm, I was excited when that, when that happened, I was, low-key hoping he would land with the avalanche because he is my favorite player in the game other than Nazem Kadri, like it's johnny hockey like all day long so when he landed at columbus i was first shocked but then i was like this could work when you think about it yeah so i was i was super flip when <laughs> um when we did the oh you might have been there at the time actually so yeah we, did we, a, a yeah, we were doing a live stream for... yeah the Locked On Podcast Network about free agency. And I was like, listen, Columbus is either going to do nothing or they're going to go out and get Johnny Hockey. And I don't know which one they're going to do. And then they basically did nothing for the next they got Johnny Hockey. seven so... hours. And then it was, again, because of the time difference, yep. uh, it was about midnight my time, maybe 1230. Uh, and I get a message in all caps from uh, Jess, who is our wonderful host of Locked On Calgary Flames. Mm -hmm. And then I get a message from our channel coordinator, Sean, like, hey, I really hope you're awake right now. <laughs> and then I had to obviously jump up and do a bunch of stuff. But like I said in that kind of 
we we uh, did a, a little interview with uh, Gil Martin, host of Locked On mm-hmm. NHL, uh, Locked On Islanders, great guy. Uh, and I talked about how this is a franchise-altering moment. Yep. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now, a word from our sponsors. The action never ends at the DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. You make a bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash it in. You could throw down on all the major action from baseball, golf, MMA, and much more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use promo code THPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code THPN. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. And now we resume our regularly scheduled program here in Buckburg, live in living color for your ear holes. Not just because it's Johnny Hockey, specifically Johnny Cadrao, but this is the first big free agent that has chosen Columbus. You know, there's been a lot of, okay, we've drafted some really great players. Players have chosen to stay here after being traded. You know, um, for example, uh, Zach Rensky drafted Mm -hmm. here, signed long-term. Patrick Laine traded here, signed for the next four years. Um, They've drafted a bunch of of really exciting new talent. Um, You know, they've got their captain locked up for the next four or five years, I believe. Um, goaltender locked up for the next four or five years. They've got some really good pieces. They've never had a player of Johnny Gaudreau's caliber say, hey, I want to play in Columbus. Because that's the thing. And there's a really great um, like behind-the-scenes clip that they put on the Blue Jacket socials where they're talking about how they've just signed Eric Branson. Uh, Which, I mean, you can say what you want about that contract, but I have kind of... Not come full circle on it, but there's a, a bit in the behind the scenes where Rick Nash comes into the room and he's like, hey, I was talking to Derek Dossett and Dossett was talking to Gabranson and he says that he has a friend that wants to be in Columbus. And that friend is obviously ends yeah. up being Johnny Gaudreau. So like if we have to put up with Eric Gabranson for four years to get Johnny Gaudreau for seven, like that feels like a fair trade. But it's the fact that he left money on the table to sign in New Jersey and also to go home. Yeah. And he left money on the table mm. and an extra year in Calgary and was like, no. I went to Columbus for the All-Star game. Loved it. This is this is where I want to play. This is where I want to be for the next seven years. And, like, even if it doesn't – even if he never has another 100-point season, like, the, the momentum shift of a guy like Johnny Gaudreau saying, hey, I want to play in Columbus because it just takes one. Yep. Just takes one big name to decide that's where you want to be. And then suddenly that's a destination. You yep. know? And and it makes you very appealing at the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's somewhere that you want to wave a no move clause. Like, I want to see what's going on over there. If it's good enough for him, it'll be good enough for me. And like I completely agree with you with him choosing Columbus. Like I've said this a couple times, and like I could say it here because I'm not on my show, but like I'm a low key, super secret New Jersey Devils fanatic. And yes, I was loving the fact that like Johnny Gerdeau could go to the Avalanche, but I was hoping he would go to the Devils <laughs> because that's the piece that puts you in the playoffs. 
from where you're sitting. Like the same with like Columbus, like you pick him up, you're in the playoffs. That's that kind of that you could feel that improvement just is, on the signing. He is a difference maker on yeah. a roster. And like the Devils have a similarish roster to the Blue Jackets, I think. They're both very young. Uh, they're both probably. And I saw a tweet about the Avalanche, watching the Avalanche and the Lightning in the Stanley Cup final. I saw a tweet about some, uh, it was something like a lot of teams are realizing that they're not one or two guys away from winning a Stanley Cup, you know? Yeah. And I don't think the Blue Jackets, even with Johnny Gaudreau, I don't think the Blue Jackets are going to contend for the Cup. But what Johnny Gaudreau does is he puts them in the playoffs. Yep. And when you're in the playoffs, you get a chance to win the Stanley Cup. Look at Los Angeles in 2012. They, yep limped in as the eighth seed and then Jonathan Quick decided that he was winning a Stanley Cup if he had to drag the entire team behind him kicking and screaming you know it just takes all, all you have to do is get in the playoffs and I think Johnny Gaudreau does that for this team and it speaks like it speaks a lot that he turned down playing with Jack Hughes which I mean like who it's I mean Jack that Hughes a lot is... of, that would have been so much fun to watch and like, then... I'm excited for Gaudreau in line A but that Hughes and, and Gaudreau would also have been an extremely fun combination he could have went to Philly and like, honestly, when you're that good, like when you have that option there, you're like, I could turn that team around. Yeah. I could go there and we could return to form. Like that's one of those things that for a caliber player like that, when you have your choice of where you're going to go, you can look at a team and you're like, I could return that team to form and this could be me. And I could start being part of the history books. Like turn that down, turns down Calgary. Who's done so much for him chooses Columbus I, I it's it's got to be exciting for you like this could let's say they make it to the first round make it competitive get knocked out but now there's a magnet there and you start to see how this Columbus team plays around him and now everybody kind of wants to go play with line a and your goalies are great the defense I'd like to see just a touch more out of the defense the defense is children is the problem yeah. with the Blue Jackets is that I think the oldest defenseman on that team is 26, yeah. maybe 27. Um, there's only two defense, two regular defense. Oh, obviously, with the addition of Gabranson, he's 30, I think. Yeah. But last season's defense, I believe, obviously, there was Borensky, who's got, I think, 300 and something games under his belt. Uh, Gavrikov hit 200 this season. Every other regular defenseman had under 100 games of NHL experience and was under the age of 23. And, <laughs> so. and like, and it's easy for me to say, like being like in the Avalanche circles, where you're like, well, you got to have a player like Kale McCarr, like ha ha ha, generational talent and D. But honestly, it's it's the it's the tale as old as time when it comes to sports. Like defense wins championships, and when you look at like how Colorado's structured when it comes to defense, if you're limiting teams to 20 shots, just a touch over 20 shots a game and you have the potential to net at least four or five a game, you're going to win. And I feel like teams have kind of chased the, we, as long as we have a Crosby, as long as we have an Ovechkin, like you chase that star and like build it on the forwards. And who cares about defense? We got, insert name here is goalie. They tear their groin and then your, your season's done. So with this shift, the forwards are fine. And then the defense is being addressed. Columbus could be one of those teams to watch in the next couple of years. I I think so. Um, and maybe maybe that's a hot take. Maybe not. But as someone who's watched this team since, you know, semi-regularly since 2014, basically religiously since, you know, the 2015-16 season onward, this is a this has been a slow burn of a team. You know, you look at the pieces that got put in place, the Zakwarensky in the 2015 draft like that to me i think is where it all started that draft yeah. and then you look at you know gavrikov was in the, that same draft i believe he kind of came out of nowhere as this i always call him uh he you don't have to worry about anything when he's on the ice mm. um occasionally he he gets excited and does kind of random rover things decides he's gonna yeah. score a goal but he's very much a, a david savard or um i would like him to nicholas Yamason. Oh yeah, yeah. Was a player that I loved to yeah. watch back in back in the Chicago days. I loved to watch uh, Yamelson, um, and you know, so he's one of those guys. And then everyone else is kind of still, like I said, uh, developing. They just drafted David Yerushek, yep. who was I had him on. I had him second on my board behind Shane Wright. Um, 
for for players that that I like. That was my ranking was David Yurchek. I thought was the second best player in that draft, and somehow he fell to sixth. So we've got him on the back end waiting to waiting to come up. You know, it's they're doing it slowly, but they're doing it the right way. I think, and I think that's how Colorado did it. Exactly, and like you pointed it out right there, like that's the, where they started drafting. They realize it too. Like it's it's one thing for the fans to start screaming it to the top of their lungs, but when ownership and management realize the same thing, when everybody's working in unison, which is what I feel in Columbus, like everything's kind of working together. Everybody sees and knows what's going on. Like this is a sneaky team. I like I said, Seattle is also going to be a sneaky team, but a little bit more in the distant future. Columbus is that next one that start watching them and they're going to start breaking some hearts, if not starting this year, next year for sure. Yeah, for sure. And like, we haven't even talked about, like we talked briefly about the young talent. We haven't even talked about Cole Sillinger, who yeah. scored 16 goals last season as an 18 year old. Ken Johnson, who for my money might be the most exciting player on this team. You know, I watched him a bunch of Michigan lists this season. The kid is money, you know, it's, they've got so many good young pieces they haven't even really gotten started. Um, and I think Johnny Gaudreau is such a, a perfect player to kind of bridge that gap of, you know, he's not too old that he's going to be on the way out by the time these kids hit their prime, but he's old enough to help them along. And, you know, I think there's kind of, I mentioned Kent Johnson, who wore 13 all through his career because of Johnny Gaudreau, you know? Yeah. Which probably yeah. makes Johnny Gaudreau feel old, but I think <laughs> there's a there's a really fun idea there of bringing Johnny Gaudreau in as this mentor type player for these these young kids who to say you know hey listen I've been where you are Calgary was really successful with him let's be successful here yeah and and also thank you for Matt Calvert my goodness I oh, I, <laughs> I love Matt Calvert so I, I do much. too I, I do too him. and it's and like you're talking about like pl- former like former players always kind of showing back up in Columbus like Avalanche fans just like fell in love with Calvi and like and he also replicated it like he gave it back to Avalanche but when it was all said and done and he hung up the skates like he's like his heart's in Columbus like let's not be real here let's not act like Calvert's <laughs> gonna be walking through the door of Ball Arena like he wants to go nationwide yeah and like, that's that's the other thing as well that we didn't even talk about. A lot of former players who played for Columbus years and years ago, they they come back. I mean, yeah. you look at Rick Nash. Yeah. Traded away. His heart was always in Columbus. Um, Cam Atkinson sold his, when he was traded last summer, he sold his home in Columbus and then rebought it like six months later. And he's like, no, I want to retire in this home. I want to retire in Columbus. That's where my life is. That's where my family is. You know, so many players will leave Columbus and then just end up, coming back it's one of those i don't know if it's the, the city or the organization i think you know we talked about kakalainen's drafting but i think what kakalainen has done has built a, a team identity and built an environment that players want to be in yeah. players want to retire to you know uh the all of the exit interviews this this summer uh after the season finished I think every single Blue Jacket to a man was like, this is the most fun. This this year is the most fun I've ever had playing hockey. Mm. This room is so good. Every guy, every guy in here is great. And like, it makes me wonder what was wrong last year. Because I don't like people who don't follow the team as closely. Like there was something wrong yeah. in the room last year. And I don't know what it was. I don't know whether it was Tortorella, a different player, whether it was just a weird combination of a lot of things. Something was wrong in that locker room last year, and something it, it's night and day. It, this it season took, was so different. It took uh, Patrick Line telling everybody, "You have no idea what's out there." <laughs> Let me tell you about Winnipeg. Stay here, enjoy this. It is so nice here, right? Because <laughs> I've heard horror stories about that locker room environment yeah. in Winnipeg. So, like, it's one of those things. Once people start coming in. And tell you, you have no idea what I left. Like this, treat like the way you're treated, like normal, like everything being nice, and you're you feel like you're appreciated here. That is foreign where I came from. And then right. the team starts believing in it. I feel like it's kind of a natural thing. 
Yeah, for sure. And that's the other thing as well is, you know, players will inevitably leave. Matt Calvert went to uh, Colorado. Oliver Bjorkstrand just went to Seattle. He's going to go there and he's going to be like, yeah, this is great. Columbus is super great. You know, uh, one of uh, Johnny Gaudreau's um, friends, Eric Robinson, plays in Columbus. And I believe Robinson actually, as a youth, played with uh, Gaudreau's younger brother. But he has talked Columbus up so much that that has made it to Gaudreau. And, you know, obviously, I think that was a big part in him signing here was, hey, I'm going to go play with my friend Eric, who's a great guy and also only has nice things to say about this city. You know, so as players leave, Calvert goes to Colorado, um, you know, who ex-player goes to somewhere else. They're like, hey, you know, where's really great? Columbus is really great. Yeah. And players, players talk more than people realize, I think. And you see it like in the end of the year surveys when they do it year round, like Columbus is always there in like the top five, like top 10 of like top insert category here. They always are up there and you're like, you kind of like look at it, but there's something going on there that we are all not privy to. And like being like, like I said, you're locked on jackets. I'm locked on avalanche. I've never had a bad experience with a jackets fan ever. Like the no, fans, we are. are we're just we're very Midwestern at heart. <laughs> I think we're just we're just happy that you guys are here. You know, yeah. <laughs> and it's like ten games in the season. You're like, okay, I know what this season's going to be. That's fine. I don't have to care that much. We'll just enjoy. Yeah, I, we'll I see that a lot. Yeah, just have fun, and it's it's a very pleasant experience. And before we wrap up, I don't want to take you take up all your uh, evening, but I mentioned locked on jackets. How long you've been doing the show and? Uh, what time do games end for you? <laughs> so I have been doing the show for just over two years now. My first episode was actually the uh, day after the first, uh, I think it was the, the day after the second game against Toronto in the playoff bubble. Oh boy. Um, so that was, that was my first kind of experience of covering the Blue Jackets kind of as a quote unquote full-time media member was that series against Toronto and then the series immediately after it against uh, Tampa Bay, which obviously had that ridiculous uh, 5 OT game, which I mentioned because you asked how, how late games yeah. end here. So that game for me started, I believe, at like 7 p.m. my time. And I was like, this is great. The game will be done by 10. I can record and go to bed. Fast forward eight hours. It's 3 a.m. I'm still on my couch. <laughs> Yannis <laughs> Kopisala looks like he's about to die in the crease. Um, so so games start typically, uh, if the Blue Jackets are at home or on the East Coast, typically they will start at midnight for me. So they'll mm-hmm. be done by like 2.30 a.m. Um, and I, I work uh, remotely part-time and uh, I also work part-time at a restaurant in, in uh, the city center. I start pretty late in the morning so I can get away with staying up until like 2 2 30 um and then i get up and and go to work so it's not too bad however i do have um uh not a not a horror story but a story that i realized is fully insane the other day which is the 2015 blackhawks cup run Mm -hmm. i watched every single game live including the series against anaheim which is obviously the games in Anaheim, they would start at 3.30 a.m. for me. And it would get to the point where the game would finish and I would look out my window and be like, oh, it's morning. So, like, I was an unemployed college student at the time, but it was still very much... uh, I I look back and I'm like, man, someone should have stopped me from doing this. And see, this is is why I needed... I wanted to know because it's something... Like, me and Chris, like, it's no secret, we're on the East Coast... Um, of the United States, Colorado, it's not on the East Coast. So when they make that West Coast swing and like start games, oh, like, it's rough. It's real 10, rough. 30, 11 o'clock at night. And we're like, when this game's over, then we'll do the show. It'll be about maybe one, two, three o'clock in the morning. So I'm glad you brought that up. So now I'm not going to feel, you can so feel a little bit better about recording at one in the morning. Whatever, whatever happens from now on before me and Chris go live, I'll just say at least I'm not Jay. Right. <laughs> it's probably we nine o'clock. Have one other um, English host in the Locked On Podcast Network, uh, Peter, hosts Locked On Miami Marlins. 
Uh, oh. So he has the same problem as me. Um, but yeah, I have to really hold my tongue every time the, the group chat is complaining about these like 10.30 Eastern puck drops. I'm like, listen, I would kill to have a game start at 10.30 <laughs> at night. Hey, oh, I can just imagine. And, you know, I'm still not a part of that group chat. And you know what? I'm fine with it. <laughs> <laughs> but, Jay, I, yeah, I, I, I told this to you before we even recorded. I wanted you to be the season finale for this season because, like, I, I love your story. I love your enthusiasm. Like, every time you talk jackets, like, you're like, I look at my Avalanche jerseys. I'm like, am I cheering for the wrong team? And then I snap out of it. But <laughs> But no, it's been an honor having you on, Jay. How could everybody who follows here in Puckburg find you? Uh, well, yeah. First off, like, thank you for thank you for having me. Oh. Uh, it's been real great. I know we've uh, we've both come so far from uh, hanging out in what was it, Spotify Green Room? Yeah, the Spotify at, Green Room, um, which I believe is where <laughs> I believe is where Kyle and I Kyle and I met. But <laughs> we've uh... actually had JD on here too. <laughs> So we've had yeah a lot of former green room guys have yeah uh, good, they've all made their appearance. <laughs> um, but you can you can find me on uh, Twitter at underscore Jacob Foster. I'm going to spell that because my name is not spelled how you think it is. Uh, so it's underscore J A K O B F O R S T E R. If you want to follow Locked On Blue Jackets, uh, normally I tell people that I can't really recommend this in good conscience, but we're going to be real fun this year. Come and share along Johnny Gaudreau with us. Uh, so you can do that. Locked on Blue Jackets is uh, all podcast platforms. We're over on YouTube. Uh, if you listen to Locked on Avalanche, wherever you do that, you can do Locked on Blue Jackets as well. We are over on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Jackets. And uh, yeah, come and, come and enjoy the season. We might not be good, but we can promise fun. Yeah, and that's the thing about uh, here in Puckburg. There's no... Like it's, it's just hockey in general. So if there are a lot of like PHF fans who are looking for an NHL team or just fans who have got out of the game and want to get back in, I would highly suggest go follow Lockdown Blue Jackets, follow Columbus Blue Jackets. They'll welcome you with open arms. Yeah, we are. We're, we're pretty great. And like I say, the, the team might not be very good this season, but they will be fun. And sometimes that's all you can ask. That's right. Oh. Because there are some teams that are not going to be fun to watch, and we have mentioned them about their cup run already <laughs> in this episode. Yes. But and, and if this is your first time stopping by here at Puckburg, I'd like to thank you first and foremost. But if you'd like to follow the show um, on Twitter, we're hpuckburg on Twitter, here underscore n underscore puckburg on Instagram. You can also follow us on YouTube. You can see us right now. We're waving at you if you're listening. And, uh, and like I said, this is the season finale. Um, when you're listening to this episode, this is the last Saturday before NHL season starts. So whatever your team may be, whether it's Avalanche, Jackets, Devils, Blackhawks, who knows? Everybody, good luck with your season. And we will see you again next off-season here in Puckburg.